you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, I like to start with a quote each morning. We ready, Jair? All right. All right. I like to start with a quote each morning. Today I'm going to start with two quotes from last week's message. If you didn't get that, you can get on the website, sanctuaryfellowship.org. You can podcast it. You can download it. It's all free. I'm not trying to sell you nothing. But it's, uh, it's, it's good to just kind of catch up and, and to be caught up and know what the Spirit is saying to this church, to this body. Amen? All right. So here it is. Foolish is the man who seeketh counsel from a fool. Foolish is the man who seeketh counsel from a fool. And the second quote from last week's message is this. The crowd doesn't always do the right thing. The crowd usually does the common thing. Remember that? Amen. Amen. So we saw, we, we, we kind of, we've been in a series going through First and Second Kings. We've been talking about the life of Elijah. And um, God's been doing some awesome things and show, sharing some, giving us some really relevant word for us. You could tell that's your kid screaming, I guess, huh? Dito. Somebody hug that kid. Tell him we love him. So we saw last week how the actions of parents affect the outcome of kids. Can we say amen to that? We saw that how parents live have a definite and tremendous impact on the lives of the children. And we saw how Ahab, at every pivotal point of his life, when things could go one way or another, he would inquire or consult every other thing but God. And we saw how that was his downfall. And see... Ahab always chose the common way. Ahab always chose to go the way of the crowd. He chose the common way. And he, he always went with the crowd. And because he was a leader, it made things even worse. And each and every time, it took him just a little bit further from where God wanted him to be. Because you see, every choice that we make, every decision that we make apart from God will take us that much further from where we need to be. We understand that this morning. I want to continue last week's message entitled, The Common or the Christ. Today's part dos. We saw last week how Ahab had persisted to live his life in his own way apart from God. And the last decision he made was to go into battle against the counsel of God. And we learned that that would be the last time he gets to go against God. Because in that battle, a random arrow hit him in a random place in between his armor and killed him. So I want to pick up today in that story... The sad thing about that was that it didn't end there because, you know, we read how his son followed. Later on, his son followed in his footsteps. And, and later on, as his son became king, there was a time in his life when his son was wounded. He fell through the lattice of a balcony. He got wounded. He was bedridden. And he did the same thing his father did. He sent messengers to go get counsel 
from another god, from the god of Ekron. And so he angered God by following in his father's footsteps and trying to get help from and, and counsel apart from God. We're going to pick up today in that story where we left off. That's in 2 Kings. If any of you don't believe it's in there, it's in there. And, and you know, I challenge you to, to read it because I could be making it all up. So we're going to pick up today in that story where we left off. He had fallen and he sent messengers to Beelzebub. And see, he wanted to get counsel. He, he hurt himself. He was bedridden. And he wanted to get his future. How many of you ever wanted to know your future? And you uh, figure, um, well, $5 I can get my palm read. Or, or $7 I can go get tarot cards thrown. Or for $10 I can go to any botanica in the Bronx and have a consulta. For those people to tell you, bring you into a room, throw a bunch of cards down, and say, you are messed up. Give me ten dollars. You are so messed up, you need to take a special bath. Give me twenty-five dollars for the bath. You are so, so messed up because your mother was messed up and your mother's mother was messed up. You need to carry this little amulet, so I'm going to charge you forty-five dollars for that only because the Spirit is telling me to only charge you forty-five dollars because I usually charge a hundred dollars for this. Come on, everybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you want to look down. Yeah, I spent $180 just to find out I was messed up. You could have come here, I could have told you that for free. So he, 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 was, he was in the same thing. He was, he was messed up. He's in bed, messed up. And he sent messengers to go consult Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. Isn't that a great God? He doesn't want to serve the Lord of the Flies. Wow, can't wait to hear what he has to tell me. So he sent messengers to consult the Lord of the flies, and, and it angered God so that God sent Elijah to grab those messengers as they were heading to get this consulta, and, and he grabbed those messengers, and he told them, stop. Go back and tell this Ahaziah, go back and tell your king that since he wants to know his fate so badly, since he wants to know his future so badly, and since he refuses to come to me, tell him I said, this is God telling Elijah to tell the messengers, tell him I said that he will not recover from that fall. He's going to die in that bed that he's in now. See, that's messed up. So Ahaziah gets this word, and right away Ahaziah asked him, what did he look like, this man that told you that? And so the guys described him, and back then the prophets dressed a certain way. They were kind of crazy. And, and so he determined, because he knew, remember his father hated Elijah. His father hated the prophets. So he, that thing was passed down to him. So by, by the description, he knew that's Elijah the Tishbite. I know who that is that's, that said that word to me. I know that's Elijah. So what Ahaziah does, he determines it's Elijah, and what he does is he calls a captain, one of his captains, and a regiment of 50 men, and sends the captain and his 50 men to go get Elijah and bring him back to him. I want you to notice, when you send a military captain with 50 men, you're not asking anybody to do anything. You, you, you get it? 
He, he could have easily just told the messengers, go tell Elijah to come to me, that I want to talk to him. He could have easily told the messengers to say, please have this Elijah come and talk to me. You know, I'm sick, I'm in bed, I'm messed up, I'm jacked up. Maybe this Elijah, maybe this God is real. Maybe, maybe I can get some help. He sends a captain and 50 men to go get Elijah. So he sends a SWAT team to go get Elijah. When you send a SWAT team to get one man, you're not asking him to do anything. You're going to go and... Bang aquí. You coming with me. You know what I'm saying? 50 soldiers, military men, to this one prophet. So the captain goes out. He finds Elijah at the top of a hill. So Elijah's not hiding in a cave. Elijah ain't scared. He's not, he's not hidden. He's, not, he's at the top of a hill. Elijah's like all the way at the top of a hill where everybody can see him. And the, the king sends this man and, and this, this, this art regiment of 50 soldiers. And this man is arrogant. He is wicked just like his king. And he comes to the bottom of that hill. He sees Elijah and he says, man of God, come down here. The king says that you're to come with me. Elijah, empowered by the Spirit of God, says, If I am a man of God, then may fire come down and kill you. And the word says, fire came down. Killed the 51 men. Thank God we don't live in these times. We think it's crazy now. Imagine when we do things against God and we get burnt on the spot. So he says, if I am a man of God, and, and boom, these guys are, are consumed. This says, fire came down and consumed them, killed them. Now, that might sound pretty harsh. And we say, wow, what happened to the God of love and God of compassion? And God is love and love is God and all the wishy-washy stuff that we like to paint God about, right? God don't play. Amen? Okay. So that might sound pretty harsh, but I want you to see the whole picture. See, he calls him man of God, not because he thinks he's a man of God. Because if he thought he was a man of God, he wouldn't be commanding him by the word of a king. You understand? If he thought he was a man of God, if he truly believed that Elijah was a prophet of the Lord, he wouldn't come with attitude and 50 men thinking he can take them. So it, it, he calls a man of God mocking him. The commentary I read said, had he really looked upon him as a prophet, he would not have attempted to make him his prisoner. And had he thought him entrusted with the word of God, he would not have pretended to command him with the word of a king. So the king sends another captain with another 50 men. How many just hard-headed like that? Right? You ever been hard-headed like that? Like stubborn? That you do the same thing twice, thinking something different is going to happen? No, just, just me and a couple of us been real stubborn like that? So the king sends another captain with another 50 men, and that man says, man of God. He goes and he finds him. Man of God, the king says to come down, and he adds, quickly. Or some version says, to come down at once. I mean, no, that's, that's authority, right? That's knowing that you have 50 men with, 
Well, they didn't have automatic weapons back then, but that's how I like to picture it, right? 50 men with, with, with AK-47s or M16s. Or, that's authority when you say, man of God, come down at once. Come down quickly. And Elijah says, if I am a man of God, then may fire come down from the sky, consume thee and thy 50. That sounds Shakespearean, right? Consume thee and thy 50. And the word says that fire came down and consumed him and his 50 men. How many did you count so far? 102 dead smoking men. Smoking kills. 102 men smoking dead. Important note that I want you to catch here. Remember in one of the first part of this series when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a battle to see whose God was real and, and the test that he put them through. He said, we'll put two sacrifices on the altar and the God that answers by fire on the sacrifice, that's the real God. Do you remember that? If, if you weren't here, that's what happens earlier on with Elijah. And so it says that the prophets prayed and prayed and prayed to their God and, and they cut themselves and they said they did all kinds of sacrificial things that, 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 we, that we do today. And they, they cut themselves and yelled and screamed and prophesied and they did everything they could do, but God did not send fire. And then Elijah prayed. Elijah said, God, if you are the true God, then show these people today that you are God. And he prayed and fire came and fire consumed the sacrifice. So I want you to note here there's an important change. When Elijah first prayed back in 1 Kings, when he was proving to the people that his God is the true God and there were no other gods beside him, he prayed and back then fire fell on the sacrifice for all the sinners to see that he's the real God. Notice how now fire falls on the sinner. There's a picture here, and it's not a pretty picture. This is not going to encourage a whole lot of people today. But the Word of God says, you know, and, and we, we kind of have to see that, that fire fell on the sacrifice in that season when he prayed, but now fire fell on the sinner. There's a big switch here. It's not a pretty picture. See, how far can God's grace extend to us? How long can we take God's grace for granted? See, first the fire will fall on the sacrifice of your life so that you may know that He is God. But after that, and thank God that we live in a time of grace where we mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up and God will continue like He did to Ahab to show fire, to show fire, to show fire on the sacrifice, fire on the sacrifice. Every time we give a little fire on the sacrifice, God's been so gracious to Ahab and He's been so gracious to us. Amen? But there will come a time. Don't be deceived. Although it isn't God's will for it to be this way, there will come a day when the fire doesn't fall to prove to the sinner anymore that he is Lord. Because see, fire f falls on the sacrifice to prove that he is God. But after Jesus, who became the ultimate sacrifice, he became the perfect sacrifice. After that sacrifice, no more sacrifice is left. Do, you, do, we, do we get that? There's no more sacrifice to fall on anymore. Now, although it's not God's will, but now fire falls directly on the sinner. I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that, but I didn't think it'd be that quiet. 
After Christ, there's no sacrifice for the fire to fall on. The only thing left for the fire to fall on is the unrepented. That's a harsh word, right? But I'd be lying to you if I just kind of made it all pretty. God loves you. Turn in your Bibles, hug each other. God loves you. God loves you so much. He doesn't care what you did. He loves you. God is so loving. He loves you so much. How many times can I tell you that? It's true. But there, the word, there is a second part of the Bible, right? There is revelations. There is after, amen? And so I, I have to give you the full truth. And the full truth is that after fire falls on the sacrifice that we may believe, then there's no sacrifice left to fall on but the unrepented, those that are stubborn and say, I won't believe. Not a pretty picture, but it's in there. So what happens? The king sends another captain. Captain number three. With another 50 men to go and get Elijah. Now, this man no doubt sees over a hundred remains or whatever is left. Clothes, spears, knives, belt buckles, whatever's left. Ashes. Probably like a bunch of asters and spears and belt buckles. Earrings, whatever. Whatever didn't get burnt up. So, but no doubt, this man is standing in the remains of 102 people, this captain. And, and this third captain, upon seeing Elijah, it says he fell on his knees. And he said, man of God, have mercy on me. He says, let my life and the life of my soldiers be precious in your sight. I mean, you see something different in this captain. He says, let my life and the life of my soldiers, let it be precious in your sight. <coughs> Make a note, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6, God resists the proud, but always gives grace to the humble. Always gives grace to the humble. Always, say always, gives grace to the humble. You need to write that down and rest on it. See, the first two captains thought that because they were sent by the king, that they were walking in authority, but they were submitting to the wrong authority. They were submitting to the authority of the common way. They were submitting to the authority of the crowd. This third king submitted to the authority of Christ. The king sends this third captain, and I think it's so relevant for us today. I'm going to show you how this applies to us today. We can, we, we can learn something right here about choosing the common over choosing the Christ. See, the first captain, listen, listen to what this represents. The first captain, he was just following orders, right? And, and the problem was that he worked for a wicked king and he let the wicked king influence his judgment. He calls a man of God, but he commands him as if he wasn't. The first captain had been influenced by the wickedness that he worked for. See, we can work for some wicked people. Anybody testify? Hopefully your bosses aren't in the room. If they are, you'd hope that they repent later and you could hug and make up. But we can work for some wicked people and still not be influenced by their judgment. Amen? 
See, we, we, we learned earlier in the story about Obadiah who worked for the wickedest people. He worked for Jezebel and Ahab. These are people that killed Christians for fun. Those are wonderful people, right? They, I mean, he worked for the most wicked people, but what did he do? He never got influenced by them. What he did was stand in that place of influence and use the resources of the wicked kingdom to bless God's people. Say amen. Now, don't get that twisted. That doesn't mean that you should steal staples to give them to the church for free from your job. The, you know, we can twist scripture a lot and say, you know, we'll take the wealth from the wicked and give it to the, you know, to the righteous. It doesn't give us a license to steal. But when God entrusts us someplace he, and, and he gives us, he, see, Obadiah had 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 everything, had the reign. He could do anything. He was right under Ahab. He was his, his right-hand man. He, <coughs> excuse me. He had authority over everything, and so he used his authority to bless God's people. He hid them in caves, and he took the food from the wicked when there was a drought and fed all of God's people in these caves. We can work for a wicked king and still be used by God. Be encouraged. So, see, the first captain represents those of us that are swayed by other people's comments and opinions. Anybody like that here? Anybody ever treated a certain somebody because of somebody else's feelings the way? None of us, I know, but we hear about people that do that all the time, right? You, somebody could come into the room and say, I hate her. I hate her. Look at her. Why you hate her? Look at her. I hate her. But, but what was it? It was you're influenced by your friend who hates her. And because and you heard some things, but you don't know her, right? And, and, and that's such a, it's such a crazy thing. But see, the first, cap, the first captain represents those of us that are swayed by other people's opinions. I heard it. I, I used to hear it all the time in the bodega and in the store and in the place. One person, you could be around a crowd of uh, McCain supporters. And if somebody said Obama, they were like, rah, rah, rah. Oh, no, oh, no, no, you're right. But oh, McCain, you know, he got it going on because that was, you know, he's a war veteran. You know, you know. But then you put him, put him in another crowd of Obama people. And it's like, yo, we need change, yo. We need change, son. Son, we need change. Right? It's just you're swayed by where, whatever you're, you're with, you know. And, and that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. That means you go with the flow. You go with the crowd. Jesus says, no, go against the crowd and go with the Christ. Choose me. Don't choose the common. The common is easy. The Christ is hard, but it has its rewards. Amen? The second captain comes. Even if he didn't hear what had just happened... Upon arriving to the bottom of that hill, the smell of burnt flesh had to be overwhelming. I mean, you ever burnt just like somebody's hair and it stinks like crazy? Can you imagine 51 people's hair? And they smelly clothes and they smelly leather outfits and everything, whatever they was wearing back then. They sandals, they were everything burnt. There's going to be a bad smell in the air. So this second captain, you know, that, that was all around him. But this captain decides to take the insult even further. He, he acts just like the first captain, calling him man of God and adding insult to that. <coughs> but then he goes even further and he says, 
Like he's Billy Bad over here. You know, he says it, takes it even further. He says, come down at once. He was gangster, amen? He said, come down at once. The king says, come down at once. You better come down. See, the second captain represents those of us that refuse to learn by example. Mm. He does exactly what the other person did before him, knowing that it didn't work for him. But he does exactly the same thing. Anyone guilty of being so stubborn that we do exactly the same thing as someone else knowing the outcome? There is seven alcoholics in your family, but I, I think I can handle the alcohol. Right? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't make yourselves all holy and innocent now. There, there is, there's 19 crackheads. Your cousins, you got 19 crackhead cousins. But no, I could get high once in a while and be cool. You have a, a, a best friend that followed down a real crazy path that destroyed her life. But you think you could go down that path and not be touched. The kind of people that refuse to learn from the third degree burns on someone else's arms, they got to touch it themselves to see if it's hot. We got any of those people here today? Da caliente, don't touch it. Don't touch it, that caliente. For real? It's hot? Burn bubbles, boiling, you know. It's hot, really? It's real hot? It's real. Oh, collect curses and everything. It's hot! Right? We gotta, we gotta, the second captain represents those of us that refuse to learn by example. The third captain. The third captain. There's no record in the scripture that the third captain was given, was told anything different. There's no records in the word of God that tells us that the, the king said something differently. He didn't say go do something different. The king by now, imagine, he is bitter, he's angry, he is full of hate, he's hurting, he's in bed, he wants to know what's going on. All he knows is that the man of God said he's going to die, he doesn't want that report. How many of you believe that if Elijah said, the Lord says you will surely get out of that bed, he would have received that report? Right? See, because the, the, those kind of people, people that follow the common, they'll believe whatever's good, whatever benefits them at the time. Right? You could go to a consulta and they tell you something good, I receive it, amen? They tell you, man, you are set apart, you've been called, you've been gifted, God put things in you, you're like, yeah, hallelujah. Some, you know, like busted looking, buck tooth, bald, man of whatever, dressed in all white with all kinds of craziness. He tells you something, as long as it's good, you believe it. But when they tell you something bad, then you want the second opinion. Right? I've seen it here. You guys are going to the little prophetic circles, and you leave that circle, and you go to another one, because you want to hear a different word. Maybe somebody tell me something different. No, they told you stop sleeping around. That's no good. Stop it. But we don't want to hear that. Tell me somebody that, no, maybe by sleeping around you'll find the right one. Nobody here is going to tell you that. But this captain, he, he, 
he, he, it doesn't say he was told anything differently. However, this captain comes and he decides to go about it differently. He was still sent to, with the job to do. He's still a man on the authority. He still has to do what he's told, right? He still, if his king says, you need to go and get this man, he needs to go and get this man. Even if he knows he's going to die in the process. That's, that's what a soldier does. That's what a man in authority, that's what a man under submission. Oh man, that's a whole other message. A man in authority, a man under submission will, will go even knowing that as soon as he crosses that line, they're going to take his head off. But if the master in chief, if the king of kings has him under authority and he's told to do, he needs to just walk it like he knows it doesn't matter. Amen? That'll be part three. But this guy, he was still sent with a job to do. He was a man under authority. He could have said, he could have come and, and, and did the same thing the others did. He could have stood there among 102 dead bodies. And he could have been, get wired up. And he could have stood there among all the rotting flesh and said, don't make me come up there. He could have got G'd up just all crazy. Don't, don't make me come up there, man of God. You better come down. I'm going to take you to the king whether you like it or not. He could have he been a, a smarter man, a military man, and said, been a strategist. He could have sent 25 people to the front and had one of them act like the captain and say, man of God, come down, while him and the other 24 guys went around and like grabbed the light. You know what I'm saying? He could have done something differently, and at least it would have made him smarter than the first two knuckleheads. But he didn't. How many of you know crazy is doing the same exact thing expecting different results? That's crazy. Instead, this captain working for the same wicked king under the same wicked orders, he made a decision either because he decided God's authority was greater than the king he worked for or he learned from the example of the other two captains and knew that there was no way he was going to force this guy to surrender. And so he addressed them the same way. He said, man of God. But the difference is he meant it. I mean, no, you can say the same thing and get different results. Wow, that's good. Two men can say the same exact thing and get different results. Because God doesn't hear words. To, to God, words are blah, 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 blah. God sees the heart. See, so during worship, there could have been ten of us up here going... And God could have heard, and the, it could have been the fourth person in the fourth row of the fourth in the back that didn't raise his hands, and that's the heart that God heard, heard worshiping today. Because God don't hear the blah, 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 he hears the heart. Amen? And so, so, so don't, you know, don't be caught up with, with the outside. So he says, man of God, and he meant it. He cries out. He humbles himself. He, it says he falls on his knees for a military man, a captain that commands 50 men, for a man of that stature to throw himself on his knees. That's humbling. That's downright embarrassing. That's humiliating. Men in authority don't bow down to nobody. He throws himself on his knees and he says, Man of God, let my life and the life of my men be precious in your sight. There's a lesson for some of us right there. Don't ever follow someone that doesn't care about you. Where my single people at? Don't ever follow someone. Don't ever be 
connected, don't ever become one in the biblical sense. You know what I'm talking about? With someone that doesn't care about your life as much as they care about their own life. Let that be a test. Don't, don't, don't let someone be your captain. Don't let someone be your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Don't let someone lead you into anything unless they've shown you that they care about your life as much as they care about theirs. He says, let my life and the life of these men be precious in your sight. And the word of the Lord says that the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go with him. Don't be afraid. I mean, at this point, I don't think Elijah was afraid. Right? Because he just went like this. People burning up. I would not be afraid at this point. <laughs> I'd be kind of maybe a little swelled up. But it, the word says to Elijah, go with him. Don't be afraid. So you see, the captain who humbled himself before God not only gets to live, but he also gets to walk back into the city with Elijah. Not as his prisoner, because Elijah's not going to submit, not gonna, you're not going to put the man in, in chains and walk it. This man will burn you up. But, but he gets to accomplish the job that he was given to do because of humility. See, for him appearing weak while the others appeared strong... They're dead, he's alive, and he got the job done. Who's the stronger man? Oh, man. Y'all ain't ready for this. Who's the stronger man? <clears throat> what the other two captains failed to do and lost all of their men in the process, this captain accomplishes with flying colors and without any resistance. The first captain chose the attitude of the common. He allowed the wicked king to influence him in his thinking, and he became just like him. The second captain did exactly the same as the first. He chose the common by not learning from the first captain's mistakes. He chose the common by failing to learn from others' examples. The third captain, he doesn't let himself be influenced beyond his own belief. He doesn't follow the crowd blindly by making the same mistakes as the first two. This captain does the opposite of the common, and he chooses the Christ thing to do. And he accomplishes his goal. See, God has a weakness. Those of you taking notes, write this down. God has a weakness. And you say, how can God, who's omniscient, who's um, omnipowerful, who's everywhere, who, who, who none of us can, can, can reckon with, how can God have a weakness? God has a weakness, write it down, it's humility. God has such a weakness for humility. You and I, as we were going through the story of King Ahab, I would have killed him chapter 2. Some of you, maybe chapter 3, chapter 4. Even Toyin would have killed him by chapter 7. As sweet and nice and kind as she is, she would have killed him by chapter 7. She would have said, done. But God let him go all the way. How many years? 22 years. All the way. 22 years he reigned as king. God gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to, to turn and to see, to see him and to acknowledge him. God can't resist humility. He can't resist repentance. He gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud. So Elijah goes with him. Look what happens. Elijah goes with him. He goes right to the king by himself. Elijah's not got a crowd. He's got no people. He's got no soldiers. He goes right into the king. They bring him right to the king's bed, and he tells the king, okay, since you wanted to know what was going to happen, you wanted your future told, right? You wanted your cards read. You wanted me to, do, to, to read your future. Here it is. The Lord says, no, you're not going to recover out of that bed. You will surely die. And the word of God says that a few days later, 
Ahaziah died. Elijah got to say, deliver the word of the Lord and leave unharmed. Nobody tried to wreck him. Nobody tried to break him up. Nobody tried to arrest him. He, I mean, think about it. After all the men he's killed already, I wouldn't be stepping with the man. But he delivered the word and he broke out. I want you to make a note about this. His father reigned 22 years. 22 years he was given to turn his life around. 22 years we read of all the opportunities that God gave him. So many times God did things that Ahab might know that he is the true God and that he might turn to him and love God. 22 years he reigned as king. The son didn't even make two. That's sad. The son didn't even make two fathers, mothers, input that and, and write it down and, and understand that. That, that your, your kids will perfect your sins. Your kids will perfect your disobedience. Your kids will take it to the next level. You bring it to a godly level, your kids will take it to the next level. You bring it to a wicked level, your kids have a lot more to overcome. And so is the story of five men, Ahab, his son Ahaziah, and three captains. Four out of five chose the common and ignored the Christ. Four out of five men died miserable deaths, and each one of those four are responsible for the lives of so many more. One out of five men chose Christ in this story. One out of five men touched God. One out of five men moved God's heart. One out of five was rewarded for making the right choice. Listen, we, we, we hear commercials every day and they love to use these numbers to, to push things in us, right? We say one out of five, choose this. And, and nine out of ten, choose this. And we say 99 out of 100, choose this. This is the toothpaste that nine out of ten dentists recommend. This is the this and this is the that. And they use these numbers. What, what are they telling you? What are they instilling in us? The common is the right choice. What everybody else chooses, that's what you should choose. Because what everybody else chooses, surely if you have 99 people choosing the same thing, that has to be the right thing. And that's the picture that they're putting in us. Always, always, always in us. And so we'll buy that toothpaste. We'll buy those cars. We'll buy that product because 9 out of 10 people choose it. We'll drink the $6 coffee because 9 out of 10 people choose it. Do you understand the, the picture that's always getting put? It says that the crowd is right. So we'll, we'll, we'll sleep around until we find the right one. So we'll, 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 we'll serve God, but we'll do a lot of other things. Because surely God needs help from the saints. Surely God needs help from Mary. Surely God needs help... And, and that's what everybody else does. How can, you know, 99 religions be wrong? Can I tell you why? Because God hates religion. Well, you came to church, some of the new people look at me like, is that guy crazy? God hates religion. If you read the whole New Testament, the people that got under Jesus' skin, the people that he flipped out on, were the religious people. He just 
He just wants people to know God. God just wants us to, to acknowledge Him. He just wants us to humble ourselves before Him and just say, God, you are God, and whatever it is that you want from me, that's what I want. Not, and, and God, I know by reading your word, I don't have to dress a certain way. I don't have to wear a certain thing. I don't have to do a certain thing for a certain amount of time. God says, I just got to be humble. I just got to be repentive. I just got to confess. Amen? Listen, just because of a lot of people do it that way doesn't make it the right way. Please hear this. Just because your family has always done it that way doesn't make it the better way. Somebody say amen. Just because your mom or your grandma or your great-grandma lived that way or served this way or worshiped this way doesn't make it God's way. In just two small books, a couple of chapters, one out of five men were condemned by what they chose. Listen, let me tell you a quick story. When I was trying to serve God, by doing what was common in my culture, when, when, I, when I tried to serve God, this is, I, I was, a, I was a, an older teen and, and just tired, man. I'm tired of, of, of I done slept with everything that moved around me and I, and, and, and I, I tried everything that everybody else tried. And, and you know, I, I said, God, there's got to be something more. And I, I wanted to choose God. And so what was common in my culture led me to, to follow a certain path. And before I knew it, I was meeting with this man and this man was telling me, man, you are gifted. God has given you abilities. God has gifts inside of you. You, you are going to be the youngest medium in our church. And so I must have been 16, 17. I was working, working the table, white magic, working the table as a medium, not knowing what I was doing. But knowing that I wanted to serve God, I lived in fear. I got baptized. I had beads that they put on me, and they told me, don't ever let anybody touch those beads. You will kill anybody. Don't let them touch those beads. You, you'll be cursed. You'll be... And I had this fear, like what if by accident I fell and somebody touched my beads? What would happen? Would God burn me up? And, and so I lived, you know, hoarding these beads and, and not even my family or, or my girlfriend or anybody. Don't play. Don't touch my beads. I would, I would take them off and, and wrap them in the cloth that they gave me to wrap them in. And I would put that in, the, in my drawer and just pray that nobody would touch my beads. Because I'm, I'm serving God. I'm a man of God now. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And every Friday night I'd go to Prospect Avenue in the Bronx. Understand, I lived in Manhattan. The Bronx was a foreign land for me. That's like Brooklyn for us. And so I would go to Prospect Avenue in the Bronx. How many know that's not a picnic? At 9 o'clock at night on Friday, I take the 2 train, I think it was. And, and we, we get into this demonic service and the, they would turn the lights off and they would light the candles and, and the mediums had to, <coughs> had to have... Um, um, Florida water, how many Puerto Ricans have that in your house? Right? The Agua Florida, and you take it on your hands, and they touch the candle, and their hands would turn on fire. And I'd be, oh God. I'd be trembling in my seat until I learned how to flow in the common. Then I felt the power. Then I felt the authority. Say, man, I'm doing God's work. What I'm doing, I'm, I'm special, I'm a medium. I see things that the average person don't see. I didn't know that they were, come, they were perverting the gifts that God gave me, the gift of discernment, the gift of, 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 of you know, seeing the spiritual. They were perverting it, but, but all of a sudden it started feeling good to me. 
And I did this for almost a full year. Always asking God, God, I want to serve you. God, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm doing this because I'm serving you. And every night, and let me tell you, all of my family followed me into that place. Every one of my aunts, cousins, everybody was involved. I praise God that a lot of them are sitting here today. Amen. Amen. But all of them, a lot more than this, followed me there. And they started grabbing my younger cousins and say, you too have the gift and you too have the gift. That was ready to send us all doomed. And, and so it, fear, I lived in fear. Every night I would lie down and, and you, you could ask my mother who's sitting right there. I'd be a big baby crying out at night, mommy. I just want to hear her voice so she knows that I'm, I'm all right and so I know that she's still there. Scared. I'm talking about a little punk. 16, 17, now I'm not a little kid anymore, I'm, but I was punking. As soon as it came to night, I was terrified because I lived in fear, man. This thing had me captivated. It had me in fear. Things would move in my room. Things would move around. My bed would shake. I would see things that I did not want to see in the dark. And I was scared. But I, was, I, I, I chose that because, because I, you know, I, I wanted to serve God. And what was common in my culture as a Cuban Puerto Rican it's this way. This is how we serve God in our culture. And so, I, I, let me tell you, one time, the, the, the head or the pastor, I won't call him a pastor, but you know what I'm talking about. He came and he told me, one day, when you get, because there's certain baptisms, I had only gotten to the second baptism or the first baptism, whatever. I know they charged my mother a bunch of hundred dollars to, six, seven hundred dollars to get me baptized with craziness. To curse me. But anyway, um, he told me, listen, one day I'm going to sit you, and he had the Word of God in his hand. They had the Bible. Because if, if you guys know, they use the Bible there. They use it as a book. They don't open it, but they use it. It's there to let you know that this is good. And so he used the Bible, and he said, one day I'm going to show you in, in this Word where this all is. And I held on to that. I said, wow, one day he's going to, I feel like this is wicked. And every day I'm praying, I say, God, if this is really not what you want me to do, please. Because I'm, I'm, I'm doing some crazy things right now in your name. God, if this is not what you want me to do, please get me out of here. But he told me, listen, I'm going to sit you down one day and show you in the word of God where this all is and how God ordained this for you. And so I held on with that toyin for a long time. But guess what? He never told me. You know why? Because God's word condemns everything that I was doing. God's word condemns every little piece of it. Do you understand? There is not one good thing in it. Not one good thing in it. God condemns every little piece of it. And so he could never show me in the word of God where it says, because the word of every portion of scripture screams out against the worshiping of idols, against the fashioning of gods, against the sacrifice of animals, against fortune telling, against mediums, against divination, against witchcraft. It's an abomination to God and just because it's common in our culture, God cannot bless what he doesn't condone. I wrote down that I have to say that three times. God cannot bless what he doesn't condone. I'm not just talking about this now. You let that, let that be soap to you and understand. God cannot bless what he doesn't condone. 
The word says, blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves, Romans 14, 12. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, Psalms 1, 1. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who doesn't look to the proud or turn to those aside to false gods, Psalm 44. Blessed is the man whom God corrects, who, so, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, Job 5, 17. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit in whose spirit there is no deceit psalm 32 2 taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who takes refuge in him psalm 34 8 can i give you a couple more Oh Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Psalm 84, 12. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commandments. Psalm 112 and 1. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Proverbs 28, 14. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed are you when men hate you, when when they exclude you, when they insult you, and when they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, Luke 6, 22. Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God, Luke 14, 15. Can you get another one? Blessed is the man who perseveres on the trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, <clears throat> not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. James 1.25 Four out of five men will choose the common. Who today will choose the Christ? Let's bow our heads. Maybe you identify with one of the captains and you say, that's me, man. I take whatever anybody tells me and that's what I believe about anybody. What you hate, I hate. You don't like it, I don't like it. You could be like the first captain and just, be, you, 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 you've been corrupted by the wickedness around you. You've been changed by the music. You've been changed by the videos. You've been changed by everybody around you telling you the certain thing. And so that, that's corrupted you. That's changed you. Or you could be like the second captain today. Maybe that one kind of rang in your, in your heart. And you say, man, I, I do the same thing. I follow in the examples and I do the same thing again and again. I'm stubborn. I'm always getting burnt because I always have to touch it for myself. You could be like the king today, like the father who just laid out generations and generations of wickedness after him because of his decisions. You could be like the son who's just following in the father's footsteps. And you say, I'm just going to do what my family does. That's what my family has always done. This is how my family has always worshipped God. This is how we've always maintained, how we've always kind of survived. 
I pray today that you're tired of surviving. I pray that you're tired of maintaining. I pray that you're tired of doing the same thing and getting the same results. I pray today that you want a breakthrough. I pray today that you want things different. I pray that you want things different for you, that you want things different for your, your family. You want things different for your children. You want to live different. You want to be different. You want to just have a different effect in your life. If that's you, would you stand up? I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm not trying to convert you or do anything to you. I just want to show you, man, that you, 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 can walk in, 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 you can walk in disobedience and stubbornness and hardness and you will reap the benefits of disobedience and stubbornness and hardness. You can walk in the common way like everybody else does and you will be like everybody else and get the results everybody else does. Or you can choose God and say, God, I'm going to walk in your way and you could be supernatural. I think there's a wave coming because we are so, this is, this world is so crazy, things are going on today. I think there's a wave coming that God is just looking for people who would trust in Him and who would stand in Him and who would, it doesn't matter if there's 4,000 people going this way, they wouldn't even turn that way. Even if they can't move forward, they just, they'll lean down and press in and stay here while the whole crowd goes that way because they got to resist and press through and I think the time is coming where God's just going to open the gate and there's going to be breakthrough and we're going to be able to just walk supernaturally we're going to be able to walk supernaturally I think you're going to be hearing more and more of Christians raising the dead of Christians walking on water because they had to get out of it to escape something of, of Christians just opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears more and more and more I don't know about you but I want to be supernatural I want to walk in supernatural power I want to walk in listen I tasted the power of wickedness for a year and it scared me and it kept me in fear and it kept me bound and it kept me afraid the first day that God spoke to my life and told me you have those gifts you have those abilities my son but it's not for this and he called me out and he told me and my girlfriend at the time who's my wife now he said you will be in ministry from that day on I slept like a baby from that day on, the fear was gone. From that day on, it, nothing scares me. From that day on, I don't live in that kind of fear. From that day on, things could move in my room, and if they did, I'd tell them, get back there, get back down. Because I have authority. Because I walk with the authority. You, you understand? There's a difference. There's a difference. And, and having to worry about the, the, the muertos and the indios and the this and the that. Get out of here. I serve God. I serve God and God controls all of that. Can I disprove all those myths? When you die, your spirit cannot be paid with a trabajo to have you do something. Anything that's walking around in the spirit doing things are demons and angels. Please, please recognize that. There's four TV shows on right now where people are talking to your dead relatives and talking back to you. Impossible. Please. Jonathan Edwards, uh, the uh, Lisa Williams, or hey, you, no, you are not talking to my dead grandma. Grandma's dead. She's in the presence of the Lord one way or another. She's awaiting the appointed time of, of judgment. And she's not walking around protecting me. I, I hate to burst this bubble on you. But your grandma's not walking at looking after you and protecting you. No. 
There's a spiritual in this world. There's a battle going on everywhere around you. But it is the supernatural. It is the angels that left heaven, that were cast from heaven. The one-third of the fallen angels that, that are demons. And it is the heavenly hosts that surround you and me today. And keep us safe. And keep us protected. And give us guidance. Amen. And, and guess what? We're not to pray to either one of these. Not even the good ones or the bad ones. Don't, don't, don't angel worship. God is a jealous God. Don't, 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 don't be an angel head and, oh, there's angels around me. Yes, they are, but then they're not supposed to receive worship. If you read in the word, every time somebody tried to worship an angel, an angel would say, no, that's not, get up. Don't worship me. Amen. I hope I just kind of blew up some myths and messed some of you up. But please understand, it's so we, we can be so gullible and believe everything that's passed down. Believe what's true. Hold on to what's true. And if you don't know it to be true, investigate it and research it until you know it's true. But don't believe what somebody else tells you, not even me. Don't go home and change your whole life. Don't throw out your santos and don't throw out your bees and your coyales. Don't go do that because I told you. Ask God. Ask God. Press into Him. Press into God. You can sit at your altar at home in front of all of your saints, in front of all of those things. I know that you, but many of us are doing it because we love God. I know that you're not doing it because you're wicked, because I wasn't wicked. I was trying to serve God and I was a medium in that place. But I wasn't doing it wicked. So I know that your hearts, I'm not condemning you, I'm not beating you up saying you're evil and you're wicked and you're nasty. No, I know that you want to serve God. And I know that you're even, even better than those that don't have a spiritual life and refuse to have a spiritual life because you're trying to have a spiritual life. So right now, I'm just, I just want you to redirect it. Take it off the saints. Take it off the angels. Take it off of Mary. Take it off of Lazaro and Santa Barbara. You know. Take it off of that and put it on God. Worship God. He'll tell you what you need to throw out. He'll tell you what you need to get rid of. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to tell you that. Amen? God tell you, press into God. Be like the third captain. Humble yourselves and say, God, have mercy on my life and on the life of my family. Come on, join me up in the front. Let's just pray that prayer that the third captain prayed. Can we just come up here and, 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 and some of us just need to pray that prayer. Say, God, have mercy on my life and have mercy on the lives of my men, of my family. Have mercy on the lives of, of, of those people. Have mercy. Let's stand in, in, in the place of prayer today and repent for the Bronx. Oh man, this is good. Here we go, here we go, here we go. There's botanicas opening up all over the Bronx, more and more. Even in, this, even in this economy, there's more botanicas opening up as storefronts. Let's pray for the Bronx today. Let's repent for the Bronx today. Let's be the one church maybe today that's just crying out and saying, God, I don't want you to just, just close them. I don't want you to just shut them down. But God, I want them to, I want your word to speak like you spoke to me and took me out and delivered me like you're speaking to some of you today and, and his touch is just delivering you today Gary would you pray come on Gary pray break it break it and bless it in Jesus name 
before we could stand up and break the sins of the bronze, first of all, we got to repent for our own sins. That's what Daniel did before he, he prayed for the sins of the nation because he lived in a place of wickedness. But he said, God, first I repent for my own sins. So right now, whatever it is, if that's you, if you're saying, God, I've gone the wrong way. I followed the crowds. I haven't been obedient. Just lift your hand to heaven with me. I've messed up. God, I'm sorry. I've walked the wrong way. Just as a sign to God, just lift your hand. Father, we just repent right now, Lord God. God, we followed the crowd instead of the cloud, Lord God. God, we followed our own ways, our own wickedness, Lord God. We haven't stood up for you, Lord God. We haven't stood up for righteousness. We haven't walked in holiness, Lord God. But we repent. Repent means that you're going one way and now you're turning yourself around and you're headed in the right direction. And if you're lifting your hand right now, that's what that means. I've sinned, I've stumbled, I've messed up, I've fallen, I've failed, I did what wasn't right. But now, today, God, I'm making a commitment to you, God. I'm headed in the right direction, God. If that's you, just wave your hand to the Lord right now. Say, God, that's me. That's me, God. I'm headed up the mountain, your holy mountain, oh God, with clean hands and a pure heart, oh God. So, Father, for everyone right now in this place that are lifting holy hands before you, I just thank you, Lord God, that you're making them clean. See, maybe you've been like those captains. You've rebelled against God. But in the lifting of your hands and in the repentance of your heart, just receive the, clean, receive the cleansing of the Lord. See, God is washing away the sins right now. He's making you holy. He's purifying your heart. Father, I thank you for this righteous remnant, Lord God. See, now you're a holy man of God. You're a holy woman of God. You're a woman of integrity. You're, you're a man of holiness. It doesn't matter what you've done, but right now you're lifting your hands because the Bible says because of what Jesus did and because of your repentance that you can lift up holy hands. Your hands are holy. Maybe you've hurt people with your hands before. You've done wickedness. You've stolen. You use it, you've used your hands for evil. But right here and right now, God has cleansed them, made them holy because of your commitment to him today, saying, God, I'll use my hands for you. And I dedicate every hand right now. I dedicate every hand that's here right now holy hands, holy hands to you, Lord God, that each one, Lord God, would use their hands, would use their mouths, Lord God, for righteousness, to stand up for you, Lord God. 
I thank you for this mighty army, Lord God. I thank you for an army of believers, Lord God, who are standing right here in your presence and saying, God, if all my friends walk away from you, that's not me. They're saying, God, if all my friends choose evil and wickedness, God, I'm standing up for you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for this holy remnant, for this holy people, Lord God. And now, Lord God, we just lift up the Bronx, oh God. Father, we repent for the wickedness, for the rebellion against you, Lord God. Father, we stand in behalf of the Bronx, Lord God, and say, God, we're sorry, oh God. We're sorry for turning to witchcraft, Lord God, to the occult, Lord God, for consulting mediums, oh God. Father, for the drugs, the fornication, the adultery, Lord God. We, we just repent on behalf of this city, Lord God. And we pray, oh God, forgive us, Lord. Father, send a revival. How many of you want God, a visitation from God to the Bronx, that he would come down? That the fire of God would begin to burn. That lives would be changed. That people would, would turn their hearts to God. Father, we ask you for revival in the Bronx, Lord God. We ask you for a move of your spirit, Lord God. And we bless you today. We worship you, Lord God. And, and if there are any of you here, and you need someone to agree with you in prayer, you can just come forward if you're saying, I really need to know I'm right with God. We just have people to pray with you if that's you. But God has done the work. God has done the work. The Bible says your sins are like the color of scarlet. You've been stained with sin. But today, in your spirit, you've been made whiter than snow. You are a pure man or woman of God. And you need to leave here with that knowledge. So let's just close today by worshiping him alone. We're not going to worship any God but our God. We're not going to bow the knees to the gods of this world. But we worship him alone. So just worship him as we close. just hear the Lord saying, because the Bible says that he has given his people the, uh, the power to stand in his behalf and to forgive sins. And for those of you standing up here right now, because you've turned your heart to God, you've turned away from your sins. Yes. I just want to let you know that every one of those sins, everything you've ever committed is laying right here at the altar and you need to leave it here. And I just want to ask Pastor George as a pastor just to declare that to everyone up here. If, if, if you need to hear this, you need to come up here still. 
If that's you and you're saying, I need to be washed clean today because I'm going with God. I'm not going to be like those captains that stood in foolishness and rebellion, yes, yes. but I'm going all the way with God. And I'm going to just ask in closing for Pastor yes. George just to declare over you that your sins are forgiven. Yes, just listen, listen to daddy's heart right now. Listen to daddy's heart as he just say, the, the song that they just sung is just the, the outcome or the result of forgiveness. And daddy's just saying, I love you. You're forgiven. You're washed clean. Everything that you've ever done. And, and, and some of you might, might be feeling like, man, those, those things, I, God knows, God knows your heart. God knows the things you did in, in order to, to be better, in order to be spiritual, in order to be closer to Him. And it's just, it's not, it's, some of it I, I want you to understand, it's not even your fault. It's not even your fault. But today God says you're forgiven. Daddy says you're washed clean. And some of you, this forgiveness is going to manifest in you as healing. It's going to manifest in you as, as a, a washing. It's going to wash your bodies. It's going to heal a lot of those emotions that you've been dealing with. A lot of those past issues and things that you've been dealing with in relationships. It's going to heal it. It's going to start to heal it. This forgiveness is washing over. Listen to me. Those of you that feel like you've been cursed, this forgiveness breaks that curse. We're breaking the curse of Ahab passed on to the children. We're breaking the curse of, of generational sin right now. What you did in confession today, in repentance, we're breaking the curse on your life in Jesus' name. That blood washes, it breaks the curse, it removes it. You no longer have to be the way your family said you were going to be. You no longer have to have the, the outcome and the things that you've been getting. God says it's done today. You're my children. You're going to have my characteristics. You're going to have my traits. You were created in my image. So I'm going to show you how to love like I love. I'm going to show you how to receive love like I receive love. I'm going to show you how to be like me. And just get ready because it's going to be supernatural. Just get ready because it's going to be out of this world. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for these hearts. I thank you for this remnant here in the Bronx. I thank you for this place. I thank you for your blood that washes our, us clean. I thank you even now I receive your healing. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your compassion. Instill in us humility. We receive it. Give us guidance. Give us wisdom, Lord. Father, there's, there's, there's things that you're stripping from a lot of people. I pray, Lord God, that you're such a good dad that you don't take things away without replacing them. So God, when, with those things that you're removing in their lives today, I pray that you would replace them with spiritual gifts, that you would replace them with anointing, that you would replace them with discernment, that you would replace them with giftings that are from you and no other God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at 
www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.